Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Mid Carters Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, C. Blue. I am the champ, C. Wilk. And I'm the former two-time, two-time champ, Taji. And we we are riding on a current high of some amazing wrestling over the weekend. We're going to talk about all of it. We went to AEW Collision. We just watched, just now, the incredible card that was SummerSlam, so we cannot wait to get into all of it today. But before we get into all those current events, we're going to talk, of course, about our internet headline of the week. So, Caleb, give it to us. This comes from at the Enduring Icon on Twitter. Uh, what two wrestlers would you have pull a Rock slash Cena and book the main event of WrestleMania one year in advance? We are bringing wrestlers in from all other companies. That's allowed. So uh, what y'all got? Uh, you know, for me, I'll just start out with, like, when you really think about so many guys, like, there's not that many people that could pull this off. Uh, it takes a certain amount of, like, prestige for the match, like, so people could look forward to it for a year and actually care about it for a year. And also, somebody that's not there all the time because you can't be there. It's hard to be there every single day. Of course, Cena did it, but not both of them. So for me... I know one person that can do it is The Rock. So The Rock's going to be in my match. And, of course, The Rock's going to be versus Roman Reigns. I mean, that match already writes itself. Obviously, both guys kind of part-timers. Of course, The Rock was super-duper part-time. <laughs> but that match could, could be set a year in advance and build, and people could look forward to it, and I think it would live up to it. So that's might be an obvious pick, but that's mine. I think mine is um, Gunther and Roman Reigns. I feel like I've wanted that for a while. Uh, for... For Gunther, um, obviously he'll be the one that's more active, and I think during that year you can really kind of beef up the um, his brand, the Imperium. Um, and also with Roman, I imagine by that time he'll be by himself, so it'll be interesting to have um, a big group and a guy that people will be cheering for by that time, in theory. Um, and Gunther versus someone like Roman Reigns who doesn't have the same hard-hitting style um, and uh, presence as Gunther does. So it'll be a clash of styles and kind of a clash of um, ideologies on what it is to be on the top of the wrestling uh, pyramid. And I definitely think that would sell. So that's my, um, that's mine. That's my take. Um, so I have, so I, the Roman was on my list, but I have two that I just wanted to shout out. One, it will be better, in, I guess, years ago. It will be Stone Cold and CM Punk. Mm. I feel like some years ago, back when he was in WWE, they both were a little younger. You could have, Booked that match, and man, that would have sold itself. But the one more currently that still I feel like could pop would be if Johnson and MJF um, called it, because I feel like if MJF, if they if he comes, let's say he comes to WWE in 2024, like, I mean, MJF probably used to be the, the regular timer, but I mean, Cena always pulls in when he comes anyway, and I think MJF can hold his own when it comes to Mike and build-up work, so I think that would be a, a money match that you could book a year in advance. If Stone Cold and CM Punk, when we were kids, had that match set, when I didn't have a job because I was a child, I would have made my own lawn mowing business to make money for that pay-per-view. Uh, that's some so, great picks. So eliminate. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Do whatever I got to do. Uh, but that is our internet headline of the week. And as we move forward here into wrestling current events, of course, we have a major card in SummerSlam to talk about and really dive into. But first, 
the Mid-Carters took a little road trip to AEW Collision this week, so I just wanted to open up the floor. Anybody want to shout out a couple standout things or, or, or just share your experience from AEW Collision? Um, I just want to say we've been to multiple shows together, and this is our fourth show together, all three of us, and I've never felt... The, the match felt like I was at a, a, a pay-per-view between Ricky Starks and CM Punk. I love them both, so I didn't care who won. But it, the energy, the match, everything about it just felt so big. And it's just it's one of the best experiences ever. Um, for, for those of you who have never been to a show, um, whether it be any wrestling show or a WWE show or a W show, they're very, um, each is very different. Like you have your indie shows and then you have your professionals. And all of them have different vibes. WWE is more so a family, it's more family friendly um, and more open towards that. So you'll see more kids and everything around. Um, but for AEW, this is our first time going to AEW show. And um, obviously it was more adult because that's kind of how the brand is more centered. But also it was more chill. I feel WWE has a tendency to have so much production and it's overproduced and there's advertising everywhere. For AEW, it felt more grounded. Like it felt very cool, calm. Um, it felt like everybody was just there for the vibes and um, just to enjoy that wrestling energy um, and that camaraderie around um, just wrestling um, with each other. As you know, strangers, we all kind of bonded together. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, there are some matches, Willow, uh, seeing Willow, seeing Statlander. We saw a couple matches. House of Black was cool. Um, obviously, the main event with Ricky and CM Punk really blew the atmosphere outside of what I thought it was. Um, we thought there might be some animosity between CM Punk um, fans and those who don't like CM Punk, but it really wasn't. Like, there are boos and cheers, but everyone was there to have fun, so... It was, it was a great time. It was a really good time. Also, shout out to Seven Star, FTR, top two tag teams in the world right now. Oh, yeah. They, well, this is FTR country. Uh, South, the Carolinas is FTR country, for actually, sure. They may be the best tag team in the world right now. <laughs> uh, I 100% agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My thoughts on Collision, just uh, for me, AEW, I think after experiencing it live, is the perfect wrestling show to see live because the things that I feel like AEW excels in over WWE, not like it's a competition, but what what AEW does best is is bell to bell matches. Like their matches are super exciting and hard hitting and explosive and being in that live crowd energy is the perfect way to experience them versus sometimes when you're just watching them at home, it's very easy to get more distracted or get fatigued with the long matches and all the crazy spots. But live in the moment for like that two hours, two and a half hours is just the perfect blend of energy and excitement. And for me, of course, it was CNC and Punk. I mean, childhood favorite. It's amazing. The energy in the in the arena was electric, and I had a great time. Yeah, I thought I was going to lose my voice, actually. <laughs> like, my voice was pretty much gone by the end. And afterwards, my energy was, like, drained. Like, we stayed for a few matches afterwards for ROH, but I was drained. I was completely <laughs> gone. That sucked out all of my energy. So, like, what a great main event. Probably the best main event I've seen live, for Thanks. sure. Thanks. Yeah, it was a great show. Cannot wait to go back to more AEW. Hopefully, the Greenville, South Carolina crowd proved that they're worth coming back to, and I'm sure we'll see several more shows. Uh, now that they have two different touring companies as well. But and I did want to mention, uh, Tony Khan also like physically was there, and like he addressed the crowd like twice. I think one before the show and before the main event. So that was really cool, too, to see him... See little Tony all hyped up um, for the show and everything. He seems he seems like a genuine good guy. Um, may not be, but.
but he seemed like a good guy. So that was cool to like see him um, and make an effort to like make it a big deal that it was their debut in the area. So that was, was really cool. He was very hyped up, coked yes. up, whatever you want to say about him. He was there. It was very cool to see him. Uh, very cool to see everybody. A lot of people that you don't get to see, or we have never got to see, as we normally go to Raw and SmackDown. So awesome show. Great time. Great vibes all around. Um, speaking of great vibes, let's get into SummerSlam. Because SummerSlam, I'm going to go out uh, on the limb and say this right now. Uh, maybe a hot take. I don't know. Maybe recency bias. After I think about it for a while, I might change my mind. But I think uh, card, like start of the card to the end of the card, I feel like this may be the best pay-per-view, the best PLE that we've seen in like a year. Not necessarily... I think there's the highs have been higher on other shows, but I don't think there were any low points in this card at all. I think every match did its job, every match was good, and every match had variety. Like, I don't think it was like, we didn't get to a point like six matches in where we saw a match and it's like, oh, we just saw this similar match already. Every match had a different style, and we'll talk about that more when we talk about specifics, but for me, I thought it was a perfectly booked card, and it was a great show. I agree. I think it was definitely perfectly booked, even though we had kind of the gripes of the matches that got left off. It, it, it worked out. They knew what they were doing. And I think, it's the, for me, it's the most consistent. There's just no lows. There's not a single low on this card. Like you said, I don't think some of the highest compared to, like, Clash of the Castle, you know, Rumble, Mania, but there's no lows at all compared to those pay-per-views, which probably do got some lows if we look back at them. I got no comment. I'm just ready to get into it. <laughs> well, let's get into it, starting with our opening match of the night. We talk about Logan Paul versus Ricochet. And for me, right out the gate, SummerSlam started with the bang. It was an <laughs> incredible match. I mean, uh, for me, this match combined, like, two different styles of wrestling in, like, the perfect way. It, it combined, of course, high-flying maneuvers, which you see from both Logan Paul and Ricochet, as well as the hard-hitting pound-for-pound wrestling style as well. They just found a way to perfectly mix those two, uh, and the match was incredible. Logan Paul did come out on top with his heelish ways, though, and I think Ricochet looked like a million bucks, too. So, win-win, in my opinion, but any other thoughts on it? just thought it was a banger, man. Uh, Logan Paul just just continues to impress every time he has a match, especially now these solo matches. He just continues to impress me, at least. Yeah, it was great. Uh... And moving on from that match, we keep the momentum high. We keep it up with Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar 3. Um, really interesting match, again, in my opinion. We were all hoping that there would be a stipulation. You know, uh, a lot of people calling for, like, last man standing. At least we did and stuff like that. But they really found a way within this match to make it feel like a last man standing match or at least tell a similar story in which Brock kept trying to keep Cody down. Cody kept getting back up. So we really felt... Like, we got a different kind of match than a normal match, even though we didn't. So I think it did its job. It was a great match. Cody Rhodes comes out on top. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Well, I'll say I didn't necessarily have those views that y'all had about the match. Me, I was just more excited to, like, get another match. But I figured it was going to be, uh, like, a regular one-on-one V match, which makes sense. I figured I didn't know the, the style they were going to take it made it feel more so like um, something like a one, like a last man standing match. Didn't think they would take it that way. But I figured um, they wanted that one-on-one just to see who's the better wrestler. And, yeah, it was okay. It was good. In my head, it's an ODQ match because you hit him with the steps. And then the steps yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a DQ. But, you know, but they don't, you know. They the ref was like, look, we'll allow it. He also didn't count the first, whatever, you know. Um, this match definitely was better than I expected. I, They know I don't 
I don't, I don't get my hopes up for Brock matches, but the Brock Cody series was probably his one of his best set of match, like series of matches where they weren't just the same old same old. This was a longer Brock match and it was worth it. It told the story and it did it did what it needed to do. So I also like the respect paid at the end by uh, Brock and Cody. Yeah, it seems like we probably got a Brock face turn at the end there. I mean, maybe not. He'll probably disappear for a bit and. When he comes back, he could ultimately be heel or face, but I think it opens the door for face Brock, which I honestly love face Brock. I mean, of course, heel Brock is menacing, but face Brock is fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was Cody versus Brock 3. Can't wait to see what each of them does next, um, and I think there's a lot of options to go there. But moving forward, we had a very interesting match. We had Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler in an MMA-style match. Um, for me, this match was super interesting. Uh it was something that I have never seen in WWE in which not only was the match like stipulated like MMA in which you could only win by knockout or submission, but they they competed like it was an MMA fight the entire time. I mean, there were no wrestling maneuvers outside of what you would see in an MMA fight. So it was super interesting. It was super unique. I'm really glad they got to do that. I'm sure it meant a lot to both of them. And ultimately, Shayna Baszler comes out on top, which was booking decision that I know I wanted. So what do you guys think about it? It did what it needed to do. We finally got it. Um, I won't lie. It was good. I think for me, I kind of wanted them to really like get a little more stiff like when it comes to like, some hits, but I guess maybe I'm asking for a little too much. There was some kicks and, and knees that did look like they were truly knocking the shit out of each other. But overall, it was good. I ain't got no complaints. Um, I liked it. I thought it was very, uh, like we've all said, uh, very unique which was good. It felt more like a I quit match without the I quit part. Just like, just tap out. Um, and I felt like it was cool. It, it was similar to an MMA match enough. Kind of what I thought a WWE MMA, MMA match would be. Like there was a lot of ref stuff in there. But uh, overall, I'm glad that Shayna got the win. She's the one who uh, needs it the most. And I think it follows the story. She needs that win. Let her get the win and let her really be dominant over Ronda, which she was. So. That was great. That's all I can ask for. Yeah, and uh, I also, I think it was the shortest match probably of the night, oh, maybe. Yeah. But I think that was a great decision because a match like that, I don't know if it could, could sustain for like a longer run time. So I don't know. I think it was perfectly paced, executed for what they wanted to do. Um, and by the way, I accidentally skipped over a match, I think, if I had the order right written down. I don't know how I could look over the most important match on the card and skip it. But of course, we have to talk about the Slim Jim battle royale um it was a great match we saw some some cool action we saw like five different feuds like like tv feuds get like uh forwarded or advanced through this uh match which i think was smartly booked in that way we saw omos omos sapiens got what they wanted and ultimately l a knight yeah comes out on top and finally gets a win what do you guys think of the slim jim battle royale fun watch that's what battle royals usually are and like i said i i enjoyed it i am just i'm first of all thank god la knight finally gets a big win like a, a, a pay-per-view win um i just kind of wonder what's next for him like where does he go after this you know so but i enjoyed it a fun match yeah i mean i don't have any um too much differing thoughts i did like that um we got to see um some a little more fire from chad gable we got to see some stuff from him and we got to see Tommaso Ciampa do some stuff, and uh, what is his name? Bronson Reed. He was in the Final Four. So, I mean, it seems like they're trying to do something with uh, those 
three guys, or they're just giving them some momentum. So that was cool. And ultimately, like we said, LNA got the win. And who can argue with that? Yeah, Bronson Reed's going to be due for a Battle Royale win soon because if I remember correctly, in Andre the Giant, he finished second to Bobby, to Bobby Lashley. So oh, yeah, he's right, always right. hanging in there. So maybe next time it's his time around. But um, uh, either way, yeah, it was, it was a good match. It was a good little kind of break up. A good, uh, again, more variety. Uh, and then moving forward, we had our fifth match of the evening, I think, was the IC match between Gunther and Drew McIntyre. We all knew what this match was going to be going into it. If you know what a Gunther match looks like with a Drew or a Sheamus or a guy like that, it's hard hitting, it's a million chops, it's a bunch of red chests, and it is a <laughs> banger of a match. Ultimately, Gunther does come out on top. He hangs on, basically almost confirming that he will break the record um, pretty soon here, but honestly, great match. What y'all think about it? You said it during the match. Drew's chops were hitting harder than the Gunther's, mm-hmm. and that was crazy. I mean, I know Gunther's a man's man, but his, I mean, I ain't never... You don't see that. Gunther's chops are a level, but Drew was right there with him, like showing him, hey, you ain't the only one who can can hit like this. But overall, it was a banger. Um, and it's something about Gunther matches where, you, like, at the end, he just, he just, he's logically just smart. He truly just goes boom, boom, boom and finishes you. Which is, it's really smart, but it's so different because I think he's one of the few, only people that actually does it at the end of his matches. I like it because it's, you know, it's unique, but it's a banger, though, man. I think Gunther, um, the Gunther match was great for sure. Um, I think the chop thing, I think it's just Gunther just had, not Gunther, uh, Drew just has such a strong and tight chest (laughs) that like literally those chops are just going to absorb the sound and Gunther's chest is not as tight so it makes it pop a little bit but also Drew is a big boy. So um, yeah, uh, Drew took a loss which I do think they're going to run that back and hopefully Drew does get that win at some point. But, um, yeah, the match was great. Um, lots of chops, a lot of fire there between them. And, yeah, I'd be interested to see um, what this next match looks like. Um, and maybe there's a possibility that we might get Chad Gable thrown in there and we get a three-way. And if you're going to get the title, if you're trying to get the title off of Gunther, why not put him in the three-way and have him not even lose it? So. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about a three-way, but I was going to say that I feel like, if nothing else, of course, a triple threat would be awesome. That's a perfect idea. But if nothing else, in between the next Drew and Gunther match, we should hopefully get a Chad Gable IC title opportunity, and I'm hoping for it because, I mean, I don't think anybody really expects Chad Gable to come out on top against Gunther, but I think it would be a great match. Oh, yeah. And a great chance to spotlight one of the hardest workers and most talented guys in the business. Um but yeah, that was that was Drew and Gunther. Definitely match of the night contender. I guess at the end of the night we can or at the end of the recap we can talk about our matches of the night and stuff like that. But we do have a few more matches on the card here. Uh number six here on the card was the World Heavyweight Championship contest between Finn Balor and Seth freaking Rollins. And this was probably the most hype that all of us like all together got. Um we got hyped for several different matches, but this one um, I think we're all invested in the story. I think it was a great match from start to finish. Lots of close falls. Ultimately, more Judgment Day shenanigans, ending with um, a, a stomp onto the Money in the Bank briefcase, some miscommunication. Well, Finn told him to do it, but it, it was convoluted finish. But nonetheless, Seth Rollins does come out on top again. I know I personally wanted to see Finn take it. I think we all did. But what did you guys think about the match overall? It was a banger, man. Um I I mean it was it was storytelling at its finest. 
I, I just knew whenever he kicked out of the stump that Battle was going to win it. And uh, still, a little, still a little sad that Battle didn't win it. I feel like he just needed it. Because I, I don't need to see a third match of this, in my opinion. I, you know, the last two have been good. But it's a banger, though. It's up there for me for match of the, year, match of the night contender. Yeah, man, I was disappointed because I really wanted Finn to win. I thought it was going to win. But ultimately, you know, um, the Judgment Day, they came in. And um, it seemed like Finn wanted to win by himself. I think he made that clear, which uh, that's why when Finn, not Finn, when Damien came, I was like, oh, no, don't do it. Because I thought he was going to try to cash in, which is a whole another tangent that I think is kind of weird. But um, when Judgment Day came in, um, afterwards, they did their little thing. Finn looks at um, Damien to like, and they talk basically to get him to distract the referee so Finn can hit him with a briefcase. And you can see Damien like has that hesitance, like he knows that isn't a good idea, but he just goes with it. And lo and behold, as soon as he goes to distract the ref, Seth Rollins just curb stomps him on the um, briefcase. And at the end, you just have this tension between both of them, Finn and Damien. And I don't know where we go where we go from here, like we could try to run it back. We could just try to focus on Judgment Day and maybe they run something. Maybe some down somewhere down the line, Damien does get it from Seth Rollins. I don't know, but they, they put themselves in a very good spot where they have a lot of directions they can take it. Um, and it's very intriguing any way it goes. So, I mean, he lost, but ultimately we're winning because we're, we're still getting very intriguing stories from it. I just know Finn has to get it eventually. He's due. He is so he is seven years due, and it, when it does happen, it'll be great. But it wasn't tonight. I, and I think I pointed out during a match. It was interesting to see Damien's been wearing Judgment Day shirts all year, and then just at SummerSlam. But let's maybe you know his luggage might have got messed up. <laughs> he comes out in his own Damien pre shirt with no perp like the, his version, his shirt when it's like, you know, there was like a little Easter egg for me. It was well, just like wondering, you know. Well, you, you said that during it, but he has worn that a couple times before. Yeah, so it's not anything um, out of the or. I mean, it, I, I can see where you say that, but he has done it before to where it could just be yes to something he does. But yeah. If anything, definitely it was could be a red herring to be like, even though he didn't cash in, maybe he's going to cash in and cost Finn, right? Uh, but good good match. Like you said, Taji, a lot of places they can go with this, so we'll see. Uh, this next one, Another banger. We had the women's world title match. We had Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte. It was a great match all the way through. Crazy spots. Bianca gets kayfabe hurt and comes back in the match later on to ultimately get the roll-up victory, as we all thought. But then here comes Io Sky, who successfully cashes in and becomes our new women's champion. The match itself banged. Uh, it was so good that I don't think our minds were even on the cash-in until the end. And then we were like, maybe there's a chance. A lot of moving parts, as has been with the build of this uh, of this match right here. I think it paid off. I think it ultimately delivered on what we've kind of been been building upon, and I think we all got a great outcome with the new champion in EO Sky. So, what do we think? Um, this match was better than I expected. I'm not gonna lie. First, Charlotte is not defeated at SummerSlam anymore. Charlotte didn't oh, become 15 yeah. time champion. That is Chef's kiss. Thank you WWE for not fumbling the bag. But second, like this match was just like I said. I was thinking Oscar may be the third wheel and just kind of get it like an escape victory as a, as a champion while Charlotte and uh, Bianca kind of carry it. No, this match was three women all trying to kill each other to get it, and they just 
they just all were like great and then have eo who i who i you know made the prediction that she would so we have something different in the predictions cash in that's my girl she is now a world champion i love every part of it and it's also match of the night contender um you have oh you had a good match between all three of the women for sure um bianca looked very good so did um charlotte and then so did um oscar they all looked very good um for for the end of it because um when she bianca when she injured her knee i thought oh she's gonna win because they're going to take her to the back and then she's going to come out later. But no, nah, she like doesn't even leave. She like uh, sees, I think Charlotte put her in the um, figure eight, put Oscar in the figure eight and she comes back immediately. Um, wins soon after. But when EO uh, does it, cashes in, she does what I like, what uh, cash-ins used to be. I think in the past, or I'd say in the past, maybe two, four or five years, there been like a little mini match when there's the money in the bank cash in. I like where it's just they cash in, they hit their move, and it's done. Because mm -hmm. like we know what's gonna happen anyway. Just give it to me. Don't you don't gotta be tough. Like you're already getting they're already beating you after you had a match. I mean, so you're good. So um that's good. EO has three, I guess potentially four with Charlotte, uh rivals that she can go with um with this title immediately. My first one I'm looking forward to is Asuka. And having them run that back because that's something they've been hinting at for a while now so um that's what i'm hoping to get but i'm happy for you i'm happy she won the championship and i feel like they'll give her a nice respectable reign with it so she deserves it side note but knowing wwe now that charlotte is no longer undefeated at SummerSlam, you know next year when it rolls around they're going to say charlotte has never been pinned at SummerSlam, so oh, wow. they will find a way oh, yeah. but uh, otherwise yeah i completely agree Great time, great match. And then we talk about the main event. Now there, so much here, as always, with main event Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns in tribal combat. It was an incredible match with some great spots, some table spots, kendo sticks, chairs, you name it. The emotion was there, the intensity was there, the stakes were there. And in the end, Jay almost had him. But just like with most of these Roman matches, when he is up against the wall, somebody swoops in. But it was not who anybody expected, at least not me, personally. No, not me either. Um, it was Jimmy Uso who turned on his brother Jay, helps out Roman, and, and secures mm -hmm. Roman to continue on top of the mountain as tribal chief. Mm -hmm. An insane main event. A twist that I did not expect. You know, they, they've thrown so many twists and turns with this Bloodline story over the years that at this point... I always feel like I just can't be shocked. I just <laughs> there's always all the scenarios that I'm thinking about. Wherever they choose to go, I'm ready. I was not ready tonight. It truly left me stunned. Had to go to the bathroom and and, and sit there quietly and think for a second. Uh, what did you guys think of this 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 incredible main event? Um, it was, and I know we say it every time, man. It's cinema. Like the match itself was great. Roman and Jay really put on a, a banger. Um, I love. At first, I didn't want Solo to interfere, but I love the spots he was in i love the probably his spirit i love this probably he's like looking at roman and like he he wants to get him um and I, the, the jimmy i don't know how to feel about the jimmy thing. They, they planted the seeds all month telling us it's jay's fault he's there it's jay's fault he's there as soon as he goes he you go and get a title shot as soon as jimmy leaves and you say you care about your brother but i just didn't think this would happen like i just did, like i thought solo was gonna cost him or so or you know I just didn't think it would happen, and then it happened, and I'm just still sitting here 
hurt that he betrayed his brother that way. Like, especially because you know, Jimmy. Uh, at least maybe why I wasn't expecting it too was because Jimmy was the one that spent so long convincing Jay that he needs to make the move and officially leave the bloodline. But yeah. right, I think uh, now some will get Monday, not Monday, but Friday. Hopefully, maybe Jay or Jimmy will explain his reasons because we don't know why. We just know that he did it. But um. Yeah, I, I was really hoping we get the one-on-one, and I was bummed when Solo came, because I was like, man, I really just wanted to be one-on-one. Um, but I do think it's interesting that we're further going along with the Solo being almost rogue at this point, which that's going to be interesting if Jimmy is coming back into the bloodline, uh, what that does with the dynamics between Jimmy and Solo, and hopefully we get a Jimmy and Jay um, match at a big pay-per-view, which I imagine we will get, and hopefully I want to get all the brothers in a triple threat, but um, yeah, it was a great match, I uh, love Roman, anything he does is, is, is awesome for me um, and he did a lot of crowd work which was awesome um, yeah, there's not much bad that I can say about this match I don't think I have anything that I could criticize it for, it was awesome Shout out to Paul Heyman for his work. Oh, well yes. Paul Heyman was working facial expressions, trash talk. To Paul Heyman, man, it's a, he's the GOAT, like you said. He's the GOAT. <laughs> Paul Heyman made a lot of that story. Like, just being able to hear him and hear his pleading for Jay and also hear his menace, or not hear, but see his menacing, like, face. Like, <laughs> when um, all these, uh, when either um, Roman has the upper hand or when Jimmy and Solo came just to see his body and his telling the story that the commentators are also like telling too, but supplementing that and complimenting what they're saying. It was, yeah, it, it was a very story driven match for sure. Paul Heyman is like straight up a cartoon villain personified in real life. <laughs> uh, one last thing though, I do want to say about, about the finish of the match. Um, usually for me, I'm not the biggest fan of Roman winning by other people helping. I just like seeing him win commanding. I like seeing him win clean. But in this case, the more that I think about it, I really like the finish of this match. Despite or regardless of where they go with it after the fact, in tribal combat, I feel like half the battle is is the match itself and winning the match physically. But half of it is the respect of the family and like having people on your side. Like respect is a major part of being the head of the table. And in this case, I feel like Roman not only flexed his muscles physically throughout the match, but he was also able to flex probably his biggest muscle that he has, which is his ability to like manipulate and ability to get the family on his side. And that ultimately was what turned the tide in the match. And for tribal combat, I think that is fitting. So what's crazy though, I, I, the look that Roman had on his face is he didn't know Jimmy was coming. I think, sure. Yeah. 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 I think but Jimmy, still it's the seeds that he plants. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that that's what I was going to say too. That was my thought. Like he, Jimmy did it with on with his own volition. Like yeah. Roman, I think Roman planned solo is like they planned that together, yeah, but Roman didn't plan Jimmy, which, to your point, I think that's cool. Even though tribal combat, I think, should be one-on-one. But I do think, I do like that even his influence, where he wasn't even influencing him, um, won him the match, just because he's that influential. I I, I also like that. I, I was thinking after this match, I don't know where we go. No matter who wins. Now we see where we go. Like I'm glad we have a direction still because it's it's kind of scary when things can be directionless, you know. So I'm glad there's still a direction now. We got the Uso versus Uso or Uso Uso and mm-hmm. Solo something like that. Like 
I'm glad that there's some there's some seeds planted for what's next and not yeah. just ah what do we do now that Romans beat Jay clean or something like that. Well, no, I think there's still stuff. There's still many stories you can do because they still be one and one technically, where Roman would have beat him and then Jay beat him. So you still have We're like not, stories. But Jay didn't beat him solo though. Yeah, but yeah, but still, like there's still a story you can tell with that. So I don't think that would have been completely blind or anything like that. One day they will shuffle through all the different matches they can make with the members of the bloodline. Right. Like one day they'll get through all the combos, but it ain't today. There's like eight thousand combos. It feels like at this point, like um, we go on for months, and then there's like oh, there's eight different things they could do tomorrow. So right. we'll see. But overall, man, like I said, I love SummerSlam. I thought it was great. I think it's gonna be. Many of these matches are going to be rewatchable for me. Things I'll go back to. Maybe things on the end of the year list. But is there one match that you guys, like, I guess we, uh, we can say Roman and Jay. Okay, outside of Roman and Jay. Your but outside match. of Roman and Jay, your favorite match on the card. I know mine. Go ahead. At least right now, it's Oscar Bianca and Charlotte. Okay. Seth and Finn is close. A battle ones, I think, is that one. But Oscar Bianca and Charlotte, man, that match banged in every way for me. Okay. Uh, I'll just say... Just because I don't think y'all are going to pick it. I'm going to say Ronda and, and Shayna because I think it will... One, it was very unique, but also um, it's going to bring along hopefully something brand new to this story. Um, yeah, and you won't get anything like that. So, yeah, for its uniqueness, I'm putting that as my match of the night. And I'm going to go ahead and go with Finn and Seth. Um, for me, it was one of my most anticipated matches going in, and it delivered. So, that's mine. But, again... All highlights on this card. Once again, Triple H does it with these PLEs. So, shout out to them. Shout out to SummerSlam. And shout out to our recap of the current events of wrestling as we transition now into our next segment, of course, is You Just Made the List. And today, I know we've been talking about SummerSlam a lot, so let's let's transition away from it here, I guess, generally speaking. And we're going to get into our You Just Made the List uh, today, talking about top five wrestling returns of all time. Your top five favorite wrestling returns somebody coming back from a long absence whatever that means right uh uh kick it off somebody with our number five i'm gonna go number five and it was a it was difficult between this one and my honorable mention number five is cody rose at mania 38 and not only Mm. was i didn't really expect it because i wasn't big into rumors and stuff i did not watch cody in AEW, but i knew of cody was a fan of him back when he's in wwe and i kind of was like okay kind of you know when i saw him like oh this is different I want to see what he can do. Put on a banger of a match when he returned. And the rest is, I mean, the rest is history. He's been cooking ever since. But that moment, oh, he was going to get Seth as well, one of my favorites. Everything about it, I just, I don't think, I, I don't think I've ever seen another big mania return either, at least for me. Besides maybe like somebody else who may be on y'all list, I don't want to spoil that. But for me to watch it live and see the return, it was, yeah, it was big. I think my number five is going to be, uh, John Cena, when he came back from uh, the Royal Rumble in 2008, I mean, it's just a classic one. John Cena's injured, comes back way sooner than anyone thinks, and he ends up winning it to the surprise of uh, pretty much everybody. Nobody was really counting on him to win. Looks like Triple H was going to win. And then he comes in at the very last moment and just steals the shine and kills it. So, yeah, it's a classic reaction. So that's my number five. I'm going to do something a little bit crazy because when Caleb mentioned Cody Rhodes' return, I kind of forgot to put that on my list or consider it, to be honest with you. Uh, I was thinking so back in time that I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, And the one that I had as my number five is one that I know for a fact will be talked about probably very high up on somebody else's list. So I'm going to go ahead and lock in Cody Rhodes' return as my number five as well. (laughs) Number four for me is, I don't think y'all have it, but 
is Jericho in 2007 with and he was a like Y2J save us. He came back to take on Randy. I love Jericho back in the day and I, this was a new iteration of him with short hair and stuff so he did look different. But it was like I think Randy had beaten everybody on his hill run and the things were getting kind of dried up and finally you know, he had those cold things kind of, you know, leading up who who is this? Who is this? And he returns on I think it was a raw and I just loved him. I love Jericho. That's my favorite. That's number four for me, though. So, uh, My number four is going to be CM Punk's first return to AEW when he returned on AEW Dynamite. I mean, it, it's... I don't need to tell you the significance of CM Punk coming back wrestling after nine years. The crowd was so um, amped up for it. That crowd really um, loved CM Punk at that time. It was pure adoration. Um and yeah, I mean, it was it was just it was a great moment to see this guy who everyone had been uh, chanting for uh, tirelessly in WWE for the past nine years finally return back to wrestling, something he swore he'd never do. So, just for that, I mean, and just to hear that crowd, like it's it's number four. It should be higher, but it's number four. My number four is my number four, not just for the moment itself, but a lot for the implications that, that it had afterwards. It's Brock Lesnar returning to WWE in 2012 on Monday Night Raw. Of course, a major surprise after a very long absence, but just to come back in a way that just this menacing, just the presence of Brock Lesnar on wrestling for the last 10 years, as in my opinion, completely altered and improved wrestling as a whole, and it all happened because of his return, so... Brock Lesnar coming back in 2012. Well, I don't got to speak too much longer. My number three, you just said it all. It's Brock Lesnar 2012. <laughs> um, I will say for me, though, I was in pure shock because I remember Brock when he was first there for the little sting. And I, we always, people say, oh, Brock Lesnar used to be so, so, so. So I never thought it was coming back, though. You know, he was UFC champion and all that. And when he comes back and he's about to fight Johnson, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it was just a moment in time. You just froze when you heard that Brock Lesnar was back in WWE, so that's number three for me. Uh, my number three is CM Punk's return uh, to Collision, uh, which happened recently, I believe. It was probably the most recent one on my countdown. Yeah. Um, I like CM Punk, and I've been siding with CM Punk in this this whole beef that he and the lead have or whatever. Um, so to see CM Punk come back again, I didn't think it was gonna happen. But also, um, to see him come back to a crowd that was so um, eager and excited and so, uh, what's the word, rambunctious, I would use, uh, for CM Punk and so anti-elite, not that I care that it's anti-elite, but to see them just grab on every word of he, every word that he said and really any action he did, um, coming back with the bag of whatever you want to call it, which is now the AEW Championship or the real world championship and his boots and the bald head, like, it, it, was, it was awesome. Don't it get was the hairy awesome. legs. Uh, I think he was wearing pants that time, wasn't he? Oh, my fault, yeah. He may have been wearing, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure he had hairy legs then as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that is, it, it tops the dynamite one for me, and it's my number three. My number three has already been discussed as well. It's John Cena coming back to win the Rumble. I mean, again, it, it, it's just very rare that, especially nowadays more than ever, that you can see a guy come back and it truly be a shocking surprise. Like, totally, not only kept under wraps, but because Cena came back way earlier than expected, people really were not anticipating it. Like nowadays, like we think about Randy Orton, and every two seconds we're like, oh, this is going to be the time Randy Orton comes back. And now whenever it does happen, we're going to be thinking about it probably. So 
because it was so early, it caught everybody off guard, and it was a crazy moment. That's my number three. As y'all both talked about it, that was my honorable mention. I was battling between that and the Cody one. But um, as a Triple H fan, I just took it off the list since he <laughs> But number two for me, speaking of my GOAT, is Triple H in 2002 in Madison Square Garden. I don't even have to talk about it. The moment, the pop, the crowd, the return, everything about it, I think set up for him to go win the Rumble and then go become the first, you know, what a second undisputed world champion. It was money. It was a moment in time. And it's my first wrestling memory ever. So. All right. Well, I'm looking at my list now, and I realize I made a mistake. My <laughs> one and two were flip-flopped. I will say so, for the record, but before you get into it, since you're flipping them, is that uh, that was going to be my number five, Triple H's return. Wow. But I switched it for Cody, and I knew that you were going to talk about it. So. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, this was originally my number one. I just literally just put it in the wrong spot. But um, my number two is Edge returning uh, to the Royal Rumble. Um, mainly, it's just an emotional thing. I, I think, similarly, it was also like nine years. Uh, kind of like CM Punk, it was nine years since he had wrestled. But unlike CM Punk, um, he he left... Well, he didn't leave voluntarily. He had to medically retire. So to see him come back and the fans react to him the way they do, and he reacts to the fans reacting to him... Um, and then what really got me was the uh, the cameraman missing his first spear. That really that really soaked me in. But no, for real, like that's uh, that's a classic and very similar to the John Cena one. It's hard to really replicate that. Uh, so yeah, that's number two for me. Oh, my number two is going to be another one that's already been talked about. It's CM Punk returning to AEW originally when he first debuted on AEW. You know. I think across all of my favorite moments in the history of wrestling, at least half of them got to come from CM Punk in front of a crowd in Chicago. I mean, just that feeling that I get not even being there, just the electricity, like no town, no city has a love for somebody like they do for CM Punk. And not only that, because we've gotten plenty of CM Punk Chicago moments, but this was years and years and years in the making in a way that nobody was for sure that we'd ever get. So it's all those things accumulating together to make just one of the greatest moments ever for me. Number two. I just want to confess something. He's, CM Punk's not on my list, and I like CM Punk. But the only reason he did make my list is because I looked at that as his debut at AEW, and so once we said we're doing returns, not both, I took it off. I do um, get why y'all, it's his return in the wrestling, so I do get it. But if we, that's why I lift it off. That is definitely up there for me, though. Mm -hmm. Um, my number one has already been discussed, and it's Edge at the Rumble 2020 because that was one of my first Rumbles, like getting back into wrestling around that time, like watching it fully. And I had no clue about any Edge rumors, rumbling, whatever. And to hear him, to hear the music, I'll never forget the chills I had as I saw him come out for the first time in nine years in wrestling gear, ready to wrestle. And it, I mean, he just went out there and put on a, a great performance to now have this second run. I mean, it was just purely chills, man. The emotions running through my body can never be replicated. So that's number one for me. Uh, my number one is actually the only one of my list that I saw live, and live meaning that I saw like watching on TV. Um, the other ones I either saw like on YouTube or I saw uh, later on, um, like the a day after or whatever. But uh, that's gonna be Seth Rollins returning from his injury um, after Roman Reigns beat him. Um, no, after Roman Reigns beat, I believe, Dean Ambrose for the title, I think. Um, or somebody. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, like I was a huge Seth Rollins fan uh, during the time he was with the authorities, so around like 2014, 15. He was literally carrying the company on his back, and I was there for everything and every moment of it. And then his knee gave out, and it stopped his. It really, he had to give up the title. It stopped his momentum uh, to a halt. But seeing him come back and seeing the crowd react because they don't know what. Seeing the crowd react, but the people at home doesn't know what's happening because the camera isn't panning. And then Seth Rollins just coming out of the blue and pedigreeing Roman Reigns, who at that time I hated. Oh my gosh. Bro. It was like literally my two, my favorite and my hated at the same time. And oh my gosh. It, it, it was literally one of the best moments of that time. Um, but yeah, that, that's my number one. My number one, already been talked about by both of you is Edge returning at the Royal Rumble. I mean, nothing that anybody else has been said other than if I could see the stat, I don't know if it's possible, just to see the stat of how many times I personally have watched that clip on YouTube <laughs> has to be you, it has to be near 100. I mean, just anytime you need that 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 boost of energy, you need that adrenaline, you need those those goosebumps, those chills, that return will give it to you. Uh, something we never thought we would see, and we saw it, and it delivered, and it's an incredible moment. That is my number one. Uh, anything right. else that you guys, uh, honorable mentions, y'all want to shout out? I already said mine, so do y'all have any? Yeah, um, I'm going to say Roman Reigns returning from COVID in, like, 2020. Um, because there was a new Roman Reigns. No one had seen Roman Reigns in this type of way, and no one really knew what to expect from it. But then seeing Paul Heyman with him, I don't know if that was the same day, but I think it may have been the SmackDown afterwards. Uh, seeing that, it really kickstarted a new era in WWE, um, which was the Roman era. Um, so yeah, that, that's an honorable mention. Didn't make it, but it was awesome. Uh, I don't think I have any that haven't been mentioned, to be honest. So, um, so yeah, that concludes our You Just Made the List. Uh, Another great, another great segment. So I guess we transition now. We roll into the 1v1 debate. So I'll turn it over to Taji. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the 1v1 debate that we have here on the Mid Carters podcast. Um, so what we will be doing today, our current champion, C. Wilk, will be defending his Mid Card championship um, to Kobe Bloomer or with Kobe Bloomer. Um, so the, what we'll do, the structure of it, um, if you've never heard this podcast before, each person will have um, 90 seconds to give their initial argument. Since the current champion is Caleb C. Wilk, he will have the option to choose which side that he wants to participate in. Kobe, as the challenger, gets his choice and who will go first. So they both get 90 seconds to settle their argument, get their base of their argument. They have three minutes in total to kind of further along with argument, strengthen it, give it some more details, and then they have 60 seconds to have a final argument. And me, as the referee, will decide um, which argument was uh, the best, the better argument. And obviously, all of it is subjective, but we'll try to be as objective as we can. Um, so, the debate topic that I have uh, decided to choose is, let me find which one it is. All right. My question is, who should have ended the streak if not Brock Lesnar? Couple caveats to this. It has to be a present active wrestler and it cannot be a celebrity or part-timer. Okay, so, okay, no part-timer. 
No part-timer, no celebrity, only active WWE wrestlers. Mm. This could be anyone from NXT, NXT UK, SmackDown, Raw. As long as they are active, they could beat The Undertaker. And this is assuming that Brock hasn't beat The Streak yet. This is now. So, so yeah, this would be if he was still alive. Yeah, the, oh, he is still. Oh, the streak. Yes, the yeah. streak. If, My fault. Yeah, the streak, not him. Yes. Alive. <laughs> uh, RIP yes. So oh, the streak is still alive and it's still as significant as it is, but Brock hasn't beaten it. Who has beaten the streak? This is really hard because so, if it wasn't about being active today, I could. I already got everything. Um, oh man. All right, I'll give you just a few seconds to kind of settle your thoughts and once we do we'll be right back all right uh we are back after that long break um it wasn't long for y'all though (laughs) um so yeah we will go ahead and start so as the challenger kobe you have the right to figure out who will go first would you like to go first or would you like caleb to go first i am gonna allow caleb to go first all right so caleb as the champion you will choose uh your side in this case you will choose your person first and kobe will choose after you um so at this time who are you defending i'm going to say it oh i'm going to say it in my pitch i'm going to start my time and it'll be in my pitch that okay as long as it's not what kobe has to say oh. okay just go gotcha all right start my time now there has been one guy on the active WWE roster that has not lost or not been pinned since he came to the main roster. And that guy is the ring general Gunther, who will be a perfect contender for somebody as prestigious and legendary as the Undertaker to end his streak and send him home packing as he has not got enough in the tank to hang with such a fierce force, with such a respected wrestler, with such a commanding general. Whenever he steps in the ring, he has slayed the Celtic warrior. He has slayed the Scottish warrior. He's slayed Ricochet. He slayed both at Mania. If you put him in front of him, he sent him home packing. He sent home main eventers like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. He has not lost a single match solo since he has came to the main roster and his streak would continue after he would end The Undertaker's prestigious reign, sending him home with Michelle McCool at Mania. Gunther would be a perfect contender, a more believable contender, and somebody you could build off of if you let him end The Undertaker's streak. And that's all I have to say. All right, thank you. Kobe, whenever you're ready, your 90 seconds will start. For me, The Undertaker's streak means more than just putting somebody over. It's more than just a big win, a big title win. The Undertaker streak represents so much. When you think about The Undertaker, what he's represented, the way that he has taken like a spooky persona in WWE, the dead man, and elevated it in a way that nobody ever has before. The person who ends the streak really has to be a passing of the torch, somebody to take on that role for the next generations to come. And that is why the person that should have ended the streak is the demon, Finn Balor. What that win would have done to a persona, to a character like the demon who is this this unhuman figure to beat the dead man, to put him down, to end the streak and begin 
a new reign, a new era. It would have given the demon a new meaning versus what we see nowadays where the demon gets loss after loss. If he would have gotten the torch passed to him, he would have been unbeatable. He would have been the guy. He would have been scary. He would have meant something whenever Finn Balor decides to don that face paint and become the demon. That is why the demon should beat the dead man. The demon should be the new undead of WWE. And Finn Balor, the demon king, should have ended the streak once and for all. All right. Thank you for that. And just to clarify, we're saying that um, they have beat in the past haven't happened. So he has beat whoever this person is has beaten them. And that hasn't happened. Anything else? That makes sense. What do you, so you're saying. So that, you're saying. So I'm saying. Uh, like, has he hasn't been. He ha, he hasn't been beaten. Undertaker hasn't been beaten. Yeah, yeah. At all. So he's still like running strong and everything. Yeah, like forty two and no. Yeah, he's, yeah, like forty two <laughs> fifty and no. Yeah. Gotcha. So um, good. Caleb, whenever you are ready, your three minutes will start. I am ready. The problem with having the demon beat Taker and try to take on his role is that no one could ever replicate a role that was unplanned in the beginning. The character of The Undertaker is so iconic and so individualistic in the way that it was born, the way that it was booked, the way that it has become legendary. There is no other dead man, no other undead. There is no other minister of darkness like Taker. You don't need to replicate it or have the person beat him try to take that from him that would only make him a copycat in the second best the, the 2.0 which can never be better than the original you need someone who comes from a different cloth you need someone who comes with a different style that's one thing about these gunther matches we see every week it doesn't matter who you put him in the ring with his style will clash his style will bang and his style will maybe steal the night on any given friday or he's on monday night raw on monday or on saturday or even on wrestlemania on sunday he is that guy. He is a main eventer in the status that he is now. And he is someone who you could believe when you look at him, when you hear him talk his talk, and we see him command his men in Imperium to defeat The Undertaker and send him home with a respectable, but an also believable loss of dignity. Someone that would carry that around and make sure you understood and respected and never ever thought he was anything less than the ring general he's more than a side gimmick that you pull out every now and then he's this person 24 7 365 until he dies this is who this man lives breathes and 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 and, and bleeds to be I have no more else to say right now besides letting you know that there is no one better that is active no part-time no celebrity nobody in the past to defeat the streak and his prestigious, his prestigious legacy than the ring general, the leader of Imperium, your current intercontinental heavyweight champion, Gunther. All right. Thank you for that. Um, Kobe, whenever you're ready, your three minutes will start. There is no denying that Gunther is on the trajectory to be the main event guy, to be the next face of the company after Roman Reigns to take that role on. There is no doubt in my mind that he is that guy. But we saw many, many of those guys, many top guys in the companies, Triple H's, Shawn Michaels, John Cena's, you name it, look 
Undertaker in the eye and fall short. And it didn't hurt them. And I would argue it didn't help Brock Lesnar that much to have beaten The Undertaker's streak. Um, and that is because The Undertaker and his streak and what it represents is above that top guy, is above a human, is above a mortal. So when you think about it in terms of kayfabe even, we saw many of the top guys in the company fall short at the peak of their game, at the height of their performance like Gunther would be. So in kayfabe, when the streak finally falls, I think it would be perfect, it would be most fitting if it fell to another character, another gimmick that is not human. A gimmick that rises above the human. And when I say passing the torch, I'm not saying he's going to become the new Undertaker, but he is going to take the throne of that persona, that undead persona, that spooky guy being at the top of the company, being the guy, being established, being right where he needs to be. And that is why I think the demon Finn Balor should, in fact, have beaten the streak. And of course, Gunther would have been a great choice. Of course, he would bring prestige. But he is already exactly where he needs to be. He is already on that trajectory. He is what we all think a year from now, at least, going to have the World Heavyweight title, the World WWE Championship, main eventing WrestleMania. We already know he is on the way there. But somebody that's not on the way there, somebody that's kind of floundering, somebody that we all believe should be that top guy, should be treated as the most serious, the biggest contender, the highest up in the company is Finn Balor, and he's not getting that rub right now. He's not getting that push right now, and that there is no other way, or there is no better way to give him that push, to elevate him to that point, to get him exactly where he needs to be, other or better than beating The Undertaker and ending the streak and being that guy, being that chosen one. Gunther's already been chosen. Gunther has already been crowned. Gunther has already been positioned. Finn Balor hasn't, and this is the perfect opportunity. It fits the characters match, the styles blend, the match would be incredible, and he needs it way more. Finn Balor needs that spot. Gunther could have it anytime he wanted, and that's why it would be way more powerful for somebody like Finn Balor to take the throne. All right, thank you for that as well. Okay, so we're at the last stretch, so final arguments time. So Caleb, whenever you are ready, you will have 60 seconds to give me your final argument. Let's go. I appreciate your praise for Gunther, I should say, starting out, but I want to point out a few things. You were specific with saying the Demon Finn Balor, but the problem with that is the Demon Finn Balor becomes a part-time gimmick character. We need someone who's there every week reminding you who he really is. Another thing is, you probably don't even truly believe that regular Finn Balor has a chance against Taker. Somebody has to put out every few months. Well, I got a guy who goes every week winning every night. He goes out there and puts his body, his title, his blood, sweat, and tears on that mat, on that line. Somebody can look up to and respect. Somebody with honor. Somebody who knows what it really means to be a wrestler more than a gimmick, more than just a crowd pleaser more than just someone with you know a nice attire his attire doesn't define him his face men don't design him he lets his actions speak for his reputation and that's why the ring general gunther will be a better person in the streak than the demon finn balor all right oh, sorry <laughs> you're fine um all right thank you uh for that final argument kobe whenever you're ready 
you can give me your final argument and you will have 60 seconds to do so. I think when you describe the Undertaker streak and everything it means, there's one word that can be described. It's special. And you want everything associated with that streak to be special. And I think the one problem with Brock Lesnar ending the streak, that match, in comparison to all the other Undertaker defenses, did not feel special. And if you put it on a guy that doesn't come out all the time, that comes out in special moments, in special occasions, like manias, like the biggest feuds, the most important moments, that's why you put it on the demon. That's why you put it on the demon. I don't know what's going to put this match between Gunther and Taker above all these other matches, but I do know that if we put the demon, this special event, this spectacle, there's no better way to associate the Undertaker streak to end it with a spectacle that we could make just as big, just as important, just as game-changing for wrestling as the Demon. That's why it should be a spectacle. You're right. It should be only for special occasions. The Demon should end the streak. He should carry the legacy. All right. Thank you. Thank you both. Both had um, very good arguments. You hit on different points. Um, and I, I think what I was looking for is just seeing... Kind of, kind of like how Brock Lesnar, how he really benefited from it. Who would really benefit the most from this, from ending the streak, and how that would have, uh, yeah, for the future, how that, how them ending the streak would have been better than the Rock. I mean, the Brock. And going through these arguments, you both put up uh, good points, um, opposed to the other. Um, I, but I think, I think the person who was able to convince me a, a little bit more um, through their, their words, their argument, is probably, it's probably going to be C. Wilk. And I, I think the reason why, so C. Wilk retains, he, he remains the champion. I believe you, you brought up a really good point, which really, it really popped me, but I tried to contain it. But <laughs> you, you really, you really brought up that uh, the dim, excuse me, the demon gimmick. <laughs> The demon gimmick, um, it isn't uh, a consistent character. And so, even though I do like the fact that the Undertaker streak is going to be special and it should be special, if it's um, if the loss is going to really benefit somebody, it's going to be somebody who's going to be that guy 24-7. And that, that one point really gave you the extra the extra inch for me. And I was like, that, that, that was a really solid point. So, great points. By everybody, but that that one really uh, changed the tide. So congrats to you, and congrats to you as a challenger, mighty challenge. But we have still the two-time champ, Caleb Wilkie. Thank do you, you have man. any words you would like uh, to say? Yes, I do. Uh, first, I want to say great debate, C. Bloom. Great debate. Um, glad to finally win the title defense. I think the last time my title defense, I lost to Tebow. Like I said, never beaten you before. Uh, most recently, um, I just want to say that. Uh, C. Bloom, you are my, you are my rival in most things in general, as well as my brother. So I know usually when we go into these things, it's like highest level of competi competition as well as love. Um, yeah, can't look, just looking forward to a, a nice rank. It feels good to get this first title defense out the way and uh, see you singing too, but. <laughs> I, I I personally stand in the ring right now. Just like Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam today, and I shake your hand. It was a well-deserved victory. Oh, okay, but I hope with that. See you soon, T-Boat. Thank you. Thank you. The clash of champions or the clash of two titans will 
will happen in the next episode of the Mid Carters. That we can guarantee. But right now, that's all we have time for. We thank you for listening to another great episode of the Mid Carters podcast. I am C. Blue. I am C. Wilk, the champ. And I'm T. Boat, out. And for listening, we say a thank you.